Hi, Redeemer. Welcome to this week's Fighting Words. Uh, I'm joined today by Pastor Dirk Weiss. Hello. Hello. Uh, sitting in Cedar Falls in our facility, gathering two, only two of us here, so we are well within the the realm of legality. I think we're about four feet apart, though. Oh, don't sneeze. Well, this is also a lo-fi version. I'm just recording it on my phone, so hopefully this will sound fine. But we're doing a... Uh, uh, well, today's podcast will be about coronavirus and just all kinds of things that that are a result from that. Uh, so today is what Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So by the time we get this edited and posted, things could change. They're, they're changing really quickly. Um, so listen, we're not going to try to give uh, a really detailed overview of what coronavirus is and all that. Because we're not experts. Number two, there's plenty of stuff out there. We're assuming you guys are reading things. But in general, right, it's a it's a new virus that has sprung up within the last several months. And within the last month particularly has escalated in the U.S. And it is, uh, you know, a virus that is estimated to be somewhat more deadly than the flu. Uh, but nowhere near as deadly as something like, I don't know, the Black Plague was or something like that. So mm-hmm. it depends on... The information you read, you know, and, and, you know, how bad is bad? 10%, 20%, like at which point would you panic? You know, 3%, yeah. you know, my, my guess from things that I've read is it's going to end up being under 1%. And uh, so there's that, uh, and it spreads pretty fast now. So obviously this has impacted society on a grand scale. Um, just this morning, I read that San Francisco has everyone on 24-hour quarantine unless you need to go to the doctor mm-hmm. or go to the grocery store. Iowa recently escalated um, to a state of emergency and banned gatherings. This is legally banned gatherings of 10 or more people. I guess. I haven't read the, yeah. the fine print on it. But and then, yeah. um, you know, hasn't shut down restaurants but has basically made them go to carry out only and that yeah, kind of thing drive through all that so we had recently we being the pastoral team had monday just determined that we would suspend our sunday gatherings uh, for at least two weeks and then revisit so we'll talk about that and whether or not we're overreacting um uh, but then with this new demand from uh the govern the governor it kind of renders our decision irrelevant it would have happened anyway, unless we want to talk about civil disobedience, which we'll we'll get to later in the podcast. Um, but in general, you know, so all this social distancing, the whole point of it, the argument is to slow the spread or flatten the curve. And again, I'm, I, I'm not going to go big into that, but the general idea is that, you know, if, if everyone gets sick at once, you know, that's, you know, on one side of the spectrum, then it overwhelms particularly the healthcare system. And things start to go pretty bad. Uh, you're not going to end up with, you know, half the world, the United States population dead if everyone gets the virus. But the idea is that you can end up, you know, you only need several thousand 
10,000 cases to go to push into the healthcare system and suddenly you're in trouble. They're usually running at capacity anyway. Mm-hmm. Suddenly you have 10,000 people within a month flock into uh, the hospital and it, they're out of supplies, they're out of beds. And it starts to trickle into other issues like, well, what if you break your leg and you go in there or you just have a stroke? So the whole thing is now just stressed out. They're trying to avoid that. That's the story. To what extent, you know, the social distancing is being effective? It, to me, it just seems apparently intuitive that it it, it would slow down the um, the effect, the the uh, spread. Is it is it going to be enough? I don't know. Is it too much? I don't know. Um, so in keeping with that, we determined, hey, let's just let's play ball. We'll do what everybody's doing. It seems to make sense that it would be helpful to slow this down. If, is there an overreaction? I don't know, Dirk. As you've read and talked with people, like, do you do you feel like people are overreacting? Uh, it's such a spectrum. I think um, I've seen a mix of people who who are on one end saying. This is not an issue. This is, you know, more of a political thing. Um, country to country, it's just getting blown up more than it should. I've seen um, people who are, I think, scared just out of doing anything. And then there's a good chunk in the middle that are trying to figure out what to make sense of. I think it's kind of similar just in politics in general. You have far left, far right, and then the forgotten majority in the middle that doesn't have much of a voice. That's interesting to think of. So what would be the political angle? You know, it's a political thing. You know, if this was isolated just to one country, I could, I could understand that, but it's everywhere. Yeah. It's like, so suddenly the world hates Trump, but now they're in collusion with Trump, Trump and the president of Italy and the China, like they're all working (laughs) together. Right. I mean, if that's the case, it would be like a really, really bad situation, which would be like some kind of global totalitarian. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Which may order. be happening, but I'd be surprised. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So that and that's a lot of like just gathering all sorts of articles from social media, which has its degree of, you know, fake news and um, just genuine truth from uh, doctors, researchers. Uh, I have a friend who's um, actually in his res- residency in Des Moines at Broadlands, and he's. I've been talking to him about every day, um, just kind of what he's thinking, and uh, I think it actually just got released in the register yesterday. The Broadlands itself as a hospital, which I mean that I think there's two other major hospitals down there, but they're just not prepared. He, I mean, he was saying like. They really don't even have like the full body suits and talking about masks and gloves, um, um, goggles, all that stuff. Like I know it's really, it's really interesting to, so regarding that, you know, it can seem like an overreaction because like, it's just like a flu, like, well, kind of, it is more deadly than a flu. And again, it's not the bubonic plague or something like that. But if you said, uh, it's one thing to think on a grand scale, like, Hey, it's only 2%. Like, okay. Would you... If I gave you a hundred Skittles, you know, gave them to for your kids to eat, and said, "Hey, only two of only two of these will kill your kid," would you eat them? Probably wouldn't, right? If I said, "Hey, you know this person has the coronavirus," um, would you go over there and clean their house for them? 
hey, it's only 2%. So my idea is like when you personalize it, it becomes very uh, – I wouldn't. If you said, hey, my kids have coronavirus though, but you guys want to have a play date? It's only 2%. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be like, yes, it's only 2%. I'd be like, no, you know what? We're going to be good. So I think that's an important factor at play here. When you when you gr- when you make it this grand thing and go, hey, it's a pretty low percentage. Yeah, but those doctors aren't dealing with a lot of unknowns. They're literally facing patients that are positive, mm. right? And and so they have to have the kind of equipment you're talking about to protect them from that. They're not just going to go in there and gamble with their two percent life. Like, so I think personalizing it, bringing it down to the to the to the ground. You know, like people who are saying, hey, this is an overreaction. Like, would you go on a play date with someone who had the coronavirus? You know, like, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, so. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, actually, I did. But you were talking about uh, your, the doctors in Des Moines, your doctor yeah. doing his residency. and Yeah, I mean, they they have pretty good insight into what they have on hand. And it's not a lot. And I mean, he's saying, yeah, it's wildly unprepared for a pandemic like this yeah like if everyone if there's this big wave coming in like they just can't handle it and they also have blocked by who they can even test like they can't just test anybody um, because of what limited supplies they have right so part of the issue is that we look at the numbers and they're not that much so yeah. 4,000 cases in the US or so few deaths but two things to keep in mind one is this thing grows exponentially right that's the whole idea of slowing it down right. four thousand becomes six thousand becomes fifteen thousand becomes like really quickly within the course of about three weeks mm-hmm. you end up with numbers that are really really big and that's where you end up with like yeah the healthcare system can handle 45 sick people you know can it handle 12,000 sick people in one day additional. Like, And then when you, yeah, like if you have in hospitals people with conditions that, who aren't there for the virus but are in the same building as those who do, you know, where they're saying like those who have uh, history of smoking, um, they've also considered obesity being um, a potential um factor in that yeah so they're saying like with with china like a lot of like the older men who got it well a lot of them smoke mm. like they're more susceptible um and so then they're like well looking at other countries now like the u.s like there are smokers but what does obesity play into this um or like my wife has asthma um, mm. so that personalizes a little bit more for me mm. augie has asthma or he got healed why don't you pray for your wife I have prayed for it before. Oh, why am I assuming I you should, haven't? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pray more now. Yeah. But like, you know, I have, my mom is 69. I have relatives who are in their 70s, 80s. Like, Watch this. So this is an article, uh, you know, talking about this exponential growth. Watch yep. this. So this is a little older, uh, about a week old. As of March 8th, in 500 cases, been diagnosed in the U.S., um, Given the substantial underdiagnosis, that's the other thing. The numbers don't reflect the reality. You're yep. always ahead. Do you think you've tested every case? No. So there's more than you think. So they say, let's say there's 2,000 current cases, a conservative starting bet. We can expect the doubling of cases every six days, according to several ep- epidemiological studies. 
Da, da, da. This means that we're looking at about a million cases by the end of April. So suddenly you're not just going, oh, it's only a couple thousand. That's the exponential growth. By the end of April, 2 million. By May, 7 million and so on. So um, the U.S. has about 2.8 hospital beds per thousand people. So with a population of 330 million, that's about 1 million hospital beds. At any given time, 68% of them are occupied. That leaves 300,000 beds available nationwide. Yeah, I, I, can't re I can post this article later, but you can see how the exponential numbers grow to suddenly you have an issue. So yep. it makes sense. Do I also think there's a lot of panic? And uh, yeah, might this be some global conspiracy just to control the, the world? I guess. I don't know. I, <laughs> right. I think we'll know that if that's, if that's where this is headed. Mm -hmm. You know, this idea of the government just wants us in our home and, well, if that's actually what they want, you're not going to stop that anyway. Like They're already in my phone. They're coming. So I think that for me, it makes sense to to play along with this flattening the curve idea and um, and kind of see how it unfolds. Um, well, did you know uh, people like still get cases of the plague? Uh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that. Yeah, like in mountainous, areas, yeah, like through like rodents and stuff. Rodents. You're talking about like worse than the plague. Yeah, it's still around. That's around. That's not there. Um, so let's talk number one. We'll come back to challenges of gospel ministry, you know, and things like that. Uh, well, number one, this idea of civil disobedience. You know, I shared on the Facebook group today. This uh, rule, this declaration, I guess what you would call it, by the governor that. Um, you know, bans these meetings, and particularly, well, let me just pull it up here so we can see exactly what it says. But it effectively bans meeting, I believe, in groups of 10 or more. Um, they went from last, the last one was 250. Then it went to 50, now it's at 10. So that's the uh, the frog in the pot, right? Someone made that analogy that like, oh, you just keep increasing it, and suddenly no one's allowed to leave their home or talk to anyone. And frog in the pot. So we slowly uh, turn up the heat, and it doesn't realize. Like oh. if they'd have just come out and said, "No gatherings of ten or more," okay. like shocking. But if yeah. you incrementally increase it, I've never heard that right phrase. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Pursuant to Iowa Code, and in conjunction with the Iowa Par Department of Public Health, blah blah blah. I hereby order. That effective today, that's March 17th, and continuing on until March 31st, so that's two weeks, all restaurants and bars are hereby closed to the general public, except that to the extent permitted by applicable law, blah, 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 they can do carry out. Fitness centers are closed. Theaters are closed. Casinos and gam gaming facilities are clo closed. And now here's the part that affects us, mass gathering. Social, community, spiritual, religious, recreational Leisure and sporting gatherings and events of more than 10 people are hereby prohibited, including but not limited to parades, festivals, conventions, and fundraisers. Okay, so postponed until after the termination of this disaster. So the question is then, do we have to obey that or do we not, right? I have some thoughts. You know, as the church, do we, do we practice civil disobedience in light of that? Hey, man, we're going to gather. We're going to pray, we're going to preach, we're going to do our thing. What are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. You know? What are your initial thoughts? Uh, yeah. 
my initial thoughts, given I think given the circumstances, I'm inclined to adhere to the governor, president, government entities' requests on that. Um, one, partly because it's not outlawing the faith. It's not outlawing core, you know, tenets of our faith. Like, we can still pray. We can still read the Bible. Like, that can still be done publicly. But now there's these restrictions on that. So, like, if it, if it were to go, like, a further, you know, like a totalitarian, you know, uh, regime where some of those other things were getting um, the axe as well, well... In my mind, that's always kind of how I've drawn the line where civil civil disobedience can happen or is allowed. Yeah, I think you're hitting on a couple points. One, it's it's not actually targeting Christians. This is a mass right. thing, or even just religions. Right. Right. This is everybody. Yeah, it's like if there's forest fires, and they go, hey. Everybody needs to not be out camping. And you're like, well, we had a spiritual retreat plan. It's like, it's just not to... I think Doug Wilson plans... Uh, I know he does. I read something earlier uh, this week um, where he touches on this. And I, I, I agree with him. I think if we project out to where it's like, okay, this isn't just a temporary thing that we're doing as a community to you know manage this issue that's then that would be a different story you know if it becomes clear that actually no the faith is trying to be suppressed where then that would be a different story yes but that's just not the case that's not what's happening here um so at the end of the day if you feel that way i guess if i'm not going to encourage you if you feel that you need to get together with 10 or more christians and worship and pray, I guess you can make that decision. It's not what I would suggest. Right. It's not in my house. <laughs> <laughs> not in my backyard. Um, oh, I can't find this. Let me well, let me ask you this. I'll, I'll, I'll look up. I'm trying to find the, the article. Um, so basically that's it. We don't, we, don't, we don't think it's the appropriate time or context for civil disobedience on this. I think we, we just we play along. Um, and we can reassess as, as time goes on. This ends up being a, a protracted thing where it becomes obvious that the government's just trying to suppress things. And well, then we can talk about it. I don't think that's obvious yet. Mm -hmm. Um, I may be surprised in six months when we're all in concentration camps, but, um, Road Warrior. yeah, so, but I don't think so. Um, so yeah, it's not my advice besides you can still, um, you know, a lot of the house churches all over the world meet in 10 or less. I mean, how many churches did we go visit in India? And it's just a handful of believers, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. great. All right. And if you want to do more and gather more, that's fine. But you actually don't need 10 or more to do ministry, mm -hmm. right? So you got to do it differently and differently than we've, than we've seen in the United States. But, all right. Um, so, yeah, I'm not encouraging civil disobedience on this. Um Dirk, what do you see as, uh, yeah, I mean, as as one of the pastors that has had to think through how to lead Redeemer through this, like, what are the things, the barriers, the challenges, some of them that you feel like 
we're faced with, need to overcome? Yeah, I mean, well, just the challenges, I mean, uh, just people being together. Like, so rewind like a week ago, and like you and I was looking at just uh, two weeks after spring break, doing online classes, and they're going to reassess. Um, I'm not exactly sure where things are at now, but um, but that uh, Wednesday night last week, we were talking about, you know, what can we do during those two weeks? And they weren't, I think at that time, it was uh, no gatherings greater than 250. So we're like, okay, well, we can still, like, get together, like, at the church building and do some, like, intensives, like, getting in the Bible and figuring out, like, what life with Jesus is like, um, that can no longer happen. So, game plan has to change, mm. which is a challenge because now it's going to, well, it's going to force us more into, like, online interactions, which, unless you're talking about, like, FaceTime, Zoom, um, it's a lot of texting or uh, different message threads, which can be really impersonal and more cold and more isolating, even though, like, you might be having a conversation that presence isn't in the room with you, the presence of that person. Well, what about fighter groups? Like you guys, so yeah. some of you may not be familiar with that term. It's uh, some of our groups break into smaller groups that they call fighter groups. You know, they may meet on their Wednesday night or something, and then they have, like, smaller kind of Bible study type things where we meet two, three, four, five people. Yep. And... uh yeah, so why go why go all the way to online? Uh, so I'm thinking more out loud because we yeah. haven't really developed some solid plans yet. Um, I'm thinking more from my perspective. So um, with a baby and wife who has asthma, mm. um, there's probably going to be a lot less interactions for me in person. So you feel safe sitting here with me? Yeah. Why? Um, I look clean? I mean, we are touching our faces a lot. Not each other's faces. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you mentioned it. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but you you don't travel around a whole lot. We have some students who are going home who, are, who have gone on some trips this week and are going to be coming back. Um, I think knowing my home situation, like, I really, I don't know, I feel free in saying... Uh, I'm not going to have a lot of yeah. in-person interactions for the time being. Yeah. Well, I just had an idea. This is kind of going back a couple thoughts, and we'll come back to this. Number one was, you know, if 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 you really think that the risk level is overblown and um, there's just, just not a lot to be concerned about here, um, I mean, you have a great opportunity to then serve in that. You know what I mean? Like, if you really believe that, then you don't have to, you know, you, maybe you won't be able to go get Hardee's and sit in there and eat if you like, mm -hmm. but you you could go minister to people who are, uh, you know, struggling with this. You know what I mean? I don't suggest it, but, <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing. Like you, at the end of the day, if you really believe that and in good conscience, you feel like this is overblown, like, well, then how do you redirect that into a positive thing? Like, well, then serve people, you know, yeah. that are impacted, um, and back to the real quick, uh, the question of civil disobedience this is how Doug Wilson puts it. Um, I've seen a few troubling comments online where Christian leaders are saying that the civil government doesn't have the right to cancel meetings of the church. 
They certainly don't have the right to do that if their objection is that you are preaching the crown rights of King Jesus. In such a case, continue to meet. But if the fire chief told all the good Christians to get out now because the roof of the sanctuary is on fire, this is something he has the right and obligation to do. And the elders should not tell the parishioners to stay put until the elders had voted on it. Let us grant that we live in a time when the state is an overweening tyrant and requires all kinds of things it ought not to be requiring. That should be said up front, and I agree that there are all sorts of circumstances where Christians and Christian churches need to defy our authorities, and amen to all of it. But following the mandates of the civil authority on quarantines and the closing of public meetings and such during a time of epidemic is not one of them. So to be clear, if the governor of Idaho shuts down all public meetings, he wrote this hypothetically last week, and I don't know what's going on in Idaho, right. but that's where we are. If the governor of Idaho shuts down all public meetings because of COVID-19, coronavirus, churches included, then Christ's church, this is his church, would comply. Even if it ha happened to be the wrong decision or a decision with which I differed, we would still happily comply. This is one of the things that it is well within their realm of jurisdiction. It's their call to make. This is their job. So uh, when it comes to questions of public safety, preachers need to stay in their lane. It would be different if we were talking about... Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I need to keep going there. But anyway, so I, I agree with him. And maybe we can reassess later when it becomes clear that this is not just about a public safety issue, but actual so social manipulation. And I just don't think we're there yet. So anyway, just want to share Doug Wilson's thoughts on that. So community, uh, how do we stay relationally connected? How do we encourage one another, right? Because of the value of the body. And, and, and so going to uh, more social media, digital type stuff mm -hmm. uh, for the time being. Yep. And... Um, yeah, I don't remember where else you were going with that. I interrupted you. Again, uh, this is what I do. Just interrupt. <laughs> yeah. Um, challenges, challenges, community. Uh, I mean, so that's like base community, but what about like leadership development? Yeah. Like. Well, I think we'd have to figure that out if it was a long-term thing. Right. You know, I think if we're in a season of like, you know, a couple months or something of disrupted, you know, I think right now would be the time for leadership encouragement, like get on the phone with our leaders and, yeah. but yeah, if that was a long-term issue, that'd be, that'd be tough. Yeah. Mm. Well, just edification. I mean, like, you know, fellowship is one thing, but also the, you know, the fellowship is, is more than just uh community and hanging out. That's part right. of it, but also encouraging each other in the gospel like Corporate worship yeah worship you know like so that that's going to look different um uh so you know smaller groups and i think for people to learn some people are uh are maybe i would say on, on a healthier spectrum of like their ability to have vibrant communion with god to open the bible to pray to seek his um will for them some people are struggling that more and depend on the community more now, it's good to have an interdependence to a certain extent, but it can be an overdependence where it's like, okay, now I don't have my small group. I don't have this and that. Like, how do I seek God? And I think that's one of the things that's going to be revealed and hopefully will be strengthened in is that we can seek the Lord in His Word and in prayer, and we can pray with our family and and not just depend on the the structured gatherings of the church. Right. Right? So that's, that's which, going to which be... Which we take, can take for granted and just seem to be a normal part. 
Yeah. So now it's not normal. Now it's not. Yeah. So we want to help. And we, you know, like I said, so what our strategies will be to one, we're going to do online service, which will be different. It will be different. I yeah, I love that. Sunday gatherings. Like, trust me, like I like live for it. It's cathartic. I love the people being together and just what God does. And this will be different. It will feel different. And hopefully this is a temporary measure. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Dirk and I are going to do the service this week. And Dirk's going to be leading worship with nobody in the room. Well, you'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah, I'm out. To, I'm going to get into it. I'll try not I? to look just at you. <laughs> touch my face. <laughs> <laughs> Would you just touch my heart? Um, so that'll be different. And uh, yeah, trust me, it's not what we would desire. Um, and then we're going to, you know, like get on the phone with people and share resources and be online. And so we're encouraging people to press into that stuff. Um, here's some practical questions that someone sent me. Um, what does it look like to walk in love of neighbor and faith and wisdom? How actually should we prepare and live? I don't know. I have no idea how to interpret all this media storm, and I don't know whether to keep living normally or isolate. Okay, interpret the media storm. I don't know. The media, it is a storm. It's hard to interpret. Um, the reason I'm not panicked about this is because, uh, well, generally we trust God. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, our life is in His hands. Number two, I've seen media storms come and go, and then, you know, three months later, we're all playing tennis again or whatever it is we yep. do. Like, this could be the one that's different, but probably not. There's probably a good deal of hype and over-exaggeration and frenzy and mixed with good information. So let's be prudent, but not panic. Um, but how should we prepare? I mean, you know, they're, they're asking, should I actually... Well, should I keep living normally or isolate? Well, some of that, again, is dictated by the demands of the state. So two weeks ago, you had the freedom to just do what you want. Now it's like, okay, no gatherings of 10 or more people. So unless you're going to practice civil disobedience, this is answered for you. Right. You know, and to what extent do you have com compromising health conditions that you think or, or those that you know and are in contact with? Mm -hmm. You know, that's going to affect your decisions. Well, you know, those like the only two options. Isolate. Or stock up on groceries. I mean, live normally. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And then, or isolate. Or isolate, yeah. Well, part of that, I guess, depends on like your living situation. So this person lives alone. Okay. Well, I guess, um, yeah. Yeah, so that would be, you know, and that's where, you know, she talks about, you know, worried about being lonely for weeks. But here's the thing is you don't have a, a quarantine yet situation where no one's allowed, allowed to leave their home. Like right. you are allowed to... Uh, um, Pursue one another. And this is where, again, the, the, the mechanisms of the church, like they can't just rely on uh, the organized, scheduled things that the church puts on. So if you have a group that when you get together, it's 35 people and you can't do that anymore. Okay, well, what does it look like for you guys just to, you know, pursue one another in smaller groups and host one another and love one another? And this is where we can coach group leaders through that. But again, it's not all or nothing. Now, some people won't be comfortable with that. Hey, I'm just going to stay home. But if you're saying, hey, I, I, I want some fellowship, then like, okay, reach out to a family and see if they'd like to get together. Um, so we're not at the place of complete social, iso mm -hmm. social isolation yet. 
what about stocking up on stuff? So there's been a run on the groceries, run on toilet paper. And is that hoarding? Is that lack of faith? Is that unloving? Is that like, have you gone out and done any extra grocery shopping? Uh, we've gotten, we've gotten enough groceries to last us. We can have, we could stretch it. Is that because that's just what you happened to have already had? Um, yeah, that's usually how much we buy at a time usually. Um, but considering again, like, um, our home situation, it's just better if we just get a lot more now. I mean, our grocery bill didn't even exceed a hundred bucks, so we so, didn't get that much. Yeah. So this is one of those issues that it, 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 you know, kind of what's under here is this idea of fear versus faith. Like, <clears throat> do we trust God? Then why are we, you know, <laughs> stocking up on groceries and like, I, why buy groceries? Yeah. <laughs> why buckle up? You know, like, so I do think you, so this is, again, this is Christian conscience and learning to walk by the spirit and know our, our condition and ask God to reveal these things to us. Like I don't, there's not a hard and fast rule. Like it is not true that preparing means you don't have faith. Right. So, um, heck, you know, if you know, like, okay, so take animals, for instance, you know, they, they store up fat for the winter. Now, of course, this the analogy breaks down because they're not called to walk with God or anything. But they're not. It's not a sinful thing mm-hmm. to know the context to prepare. You know, that's what Joseph did. He prepared under the leading of God. Right. He prepared for the famine. Yep. Right. So there's a prime example of someone in the Bible. He didn't just say, "Well, we got to trust God." So they they stocked up. Now, could you do that from a place of fear and selfishness? And you're at the store. Buying, you know, because there's another issue of here. It's like, well, there's not enough supplies. So if you go out and if half the population goes out and buys more than they normally would have bought, now half the population doesn't have anything. Mm-hmm. So now is it sin to actually buy more than you should have? This is really complicated. So uh, here's what I think. I don't think it's that bad yet, and it may not get that bad. But we're still able to produce and distribute food. Like some of the stores that ran out of toilet paper had it two days later. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, I was at Sam's Club the other day and we did buy some extra food. I'm like, hey, I want to be prepared. If we're not allowed to leave the house, we bought some extra food. I don't have months of food left. You know, we might have a, a, a two to three week span of food instead of, you know, 10 days or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like. There was so much food at Sam's. There were particular things that were sold, like, hey, we wanted the chicken breast, but we got chicken thighs instead. You know, like, that the, the place was filled with food. Yep. It's probably running lean, and I just imagine, can't imagine that it's not going to fill up again in a couple days. You mm-hmm. know, they're still producing and distributing food. Yeah. If not, if we are in a situation where the country as a whole is not able to produce and distribute food, my 10 days of food is not going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. We're going to be in trouble. Was it so, like uh, three days? What's three days? For uh, like essentially like a modern society, three days without food supply. What before yeah. it goes crazy? Yeah. Oh, it's gonna go crazy, dude. Like, I mean, it would. I'm not saying it's going to. Right, it would. Right. It could. But they say like three days is the. Is the. Best. I can imagine that with the water stops running. You know what I mean? Road warrior. <laughs> you so, notice like all the streaming services have like the post-apocalyptic. <laughs> Movies now like on their main page, like on Amazon Prime has yeah yeah Road Warrior yeah that's fun that's Netflix great. has Outbreak 
<laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Just playing into people's fears or hopes. So again, let me use an absurd example. Like if you if you went and rented a semi and you know you 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 took all the stuff at Sam's Club in one semi and drove away and people are screaming at you and you're just like forget you. I got to take care of my own. Like that doesn't sound very healthy. Um, that's obviously an extreme example. Uh, so I mean, what I'm showing my cards on this. I think it makes sense to stock up a bit on some stuff if you can. You know, like um, and. Again, if it's that bad, your extra few days of supplies ain't gonna ain't gonna cover it. We're gonna right. be in big, big trouble. You know. Yeah, and I, I mean, if you're not on Wick, don't buy up all the Wick stuff. There you go. Yeah. So, how do you love your neighbor through this? Well, okay, so maybe that, like, have some reasoned approach. You know, to basically follow the Lord. Like, maybe God doesn't want you. He wants you to buy the normal amount of groceries. Maybe He wants you to buy less because you can actually run lean. You usually run pretty fat. You know, you just got a home that's cost like my house. Jeez, like, you know, maybe you should buy less. Maybe we're going to return some of that stuff. Um, if you know people that, like, are out of stuff, then share, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but what does it look like to walk in love of neighbor? I mean, I, again, it's 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 being aware of the immediate situation and um, what has God put before you. I think that's the thing is to be alert. Like, I don't know if you should go knocking on your neighbor's doors and, and see if they need anything. That's certainly an option. Um, you know, I've seen a few posts on Facebook where, you know, a lot of kids are being forced to stay home and parents are either working both work or they're not able to be home with them. Or, you know, I've seen a lot of posts of like, hey, do you need help with childcare? Or, you know, people don't know how to homeschool their kids. Hey, I'll help you think through this. Like, how do we've been homeschooling? How do we help you think through that? Um, encourage you in that. Um, I've seen offers, offers to help or older elderly folks that maybe are, are not wanting to go out, you know, offering to make shopping trips for mm -hmm. them. So there's all these big grand ideas, but it's really like, well, kind of who's, who's in your immediate circle? Who do you know? What are the immediate needs? And um, I guess I don't know how to prescribe all of that. You know, it's, it's the same there's some uh, unique situations that are popping up, but what are they? And are you aware of them? And do you feel called and and, and uh, able to go above and beyond and, and mobilize some kind of food provision service? And like, yeah, mm -hmm. certainly could do that. Um, yeah. Let's see. What else? What else did they mention in here? How should we prepare? Would be glad to hear practical advice if there's anyone who gets what's going on. You know, I don't know who that is. Um, there will be, so they say, I'm a little nervous about being lonely for weeks. Possible job losses for myself and people I care about. Hungry children, food insecurity. Yeah, there's a lot. I do. This is uh, probably an unprecedented blow to the economy. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, unprecedented. Maybe go back to the Great Depression or something like that. But this is going to be huge. There will be job losses. And... Um, we're going to set, settle into this for the long haul. I think someone, you know, read an article that said there's going to be more bankruptcies than there will be people who die from hmm. coronavirus. Like, that seems probably right. Um, so, micro example, my son just got a job busting tables at Zeppelin's. It's been good, man. It's been a good run. He's been making some money. Guess what? Zeppelin's now is, not, is only allowed to offer takeout, which means what? They don't need bussers. 
Is Augie going to work? Now, that's a he's a 14-year-old kid. And, but that's just, so the, the point is there will be immediate fallout. Now, there will be adults. There will be people with responsibilities. This may trickle back into us in the church, you know, like how much will uh, Redeemer's givings, uh, giving be affected? What will that, what will be the long-term fallout of that? I don't know. It's not going to be nothing. Mm-hmm. I do think, I, I can imagine a scenario where three months from now, we're not even thinking about the coronavirus in terms of infection, mm-hmm. but we're dealing with it in terms of economic fallout. Right. And is, is that because of overreaction? Maybe, but it's, I can't turn this boat. Yeah. This is That's the situation. Macro. Yeah. Yeah. It's very macro. And, uh, this is this is what's coming down the pipe. There will be, and now the government will respond with subsidies and different relief packages. Relief packages, and like I'll say what you will about that. It's not going to be without impact. Yeah. So, um, I guess I rest in a couple things. Like one is I I think I rest in the sovereignty of God and um, the fact that. Look, he's good. And man, all the things that we're seeing in Isaiah and I have seen in other parts of the Bible and been preaching for years is that he runs the universe and uh, it's for a good. Reality is I don't know how I would deal with that if we're starving and there's cannibals in the streets. And I don't think it'll get to that. I think it'll get tough economically. But I've lived that way before. I didn't grow up. I'm more comfortable now than I ever was. You know, we grew up in apartments with roaches and food stamps and like, hey, if that's how we got to live, that's how we got to live. Like, I think it'd be a hard adjustment for many of us to live that way and figure out and scrap for five years to get back on top. Like, I've been bankrupt. I've been at when I was 26. I had nothing. You've heard my story. It's like, okay, you put your nose to the grindstone, you walk with God and you, and you, and you, you know, you move forward. Now... May it be that we're in some unprecedented place where that's not going to be possible and we're literally just going to be society has fallen out and it could be, but I doubt it. It's just going to be a rough little go. We're not going to be as, you know, as a whole, uh, wealthy as we have been. And uh, we'll be all right. You know what I mean? So do you worry about that long term? Like, um, not necessarily. Um, I, in some ways, like I just haven't even thought that far down the line, but at the same time, I'm, I'm starting to, um, I mean, I don't make my living off the market, so. Well, you do. Of, well, yeah. You know what I mean? Like if right. 30% of the people in our church lose their jobs. Right. Or 10% or whatever, like. But I mean, yeah, in the sense like I'm not a broker. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean like right now we don't have that much debt, r- realistically. Um, uh, but man, that can all get shaken up really fast. Yeah. You know, if we get to a point where it's like, oh man, we need to sell a car. Like, who's going to buy it? No one's going to buy it. The yeah. market's, yeah, sorry. Right. So... I guess we go road warrior then. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I just think there's a step between where we live now and, and by we, I mean, middle, you and I are middle class. Like we don't, we don't struggle to eat every, every week. Right. But there are people that have been there. There are hungry kids. And like, you know, 
they're not mass starvations in the streets, but there are people who, you know, maybe struggle to pay the electric bill and don't know where that next thing is going to come from. And I've lived in that way before. And, yeah. and uh, again, if it goes completely apocalyptic, that's another thing. Yeah. But if we're talking, hey, I, I need to get a different job. I got to go dig ditches for 14 hours a day to, mm-hmm. and we got to downsize our house and sell our car and like, okay, like, wow, that's not fun, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to yeah. hustle. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And I mean like the people who are able to like be generous, like maybe be more generous than you've ever been. Like if you're yeah. able, like, and it doesn't have to look just like money, but your home and take people in. Yeah. Oh, speaking God's of... God's done crazier things. You know Eric Hansen's family is banned. Yeah, I've heard. They have too many people in their house. <laughs> what are they at, 11? Yeah. Oh, man. Just past the line. Who are you going to kick out? You don't want to disobey the authorities. Yeah. Who's getting the boot? See, Eric should sacrifice and leave. He should go live. He just got to move outside. Put yeah. a tent. <laughs> just live outside. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll walk through this. Um, so again, I I don't know exactly what a lot of that looks like in terms of details. Um, I don't think it's sinful to, to, you know, try to be prepared. I think you'll know, you know, I've never really been a prepper. Yeah. You know, I've just kind of had this idea that like, I'm not living that way. I'm not gonna spend my whole life Mm -hmm. prepping. And then it's like, also like, how much do I have to prep? Like how many years of supplies do I need? Like, I just can't. Yeah. So I've just never been that way. I don't feel that way. Said, Hey, let's, let's get a little extra bread and meat and let's see how this next week goes. But prepping, man, good luck. You have to go full homesteader. Yeah. You need to be self-sufficient. And that's what I'm saying. If it gets to that level, I'm not prepared for that. Yeah. And, uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, I mean, I got a twenty-two rifle and a four-ten shotgun. So I just sold my AR-15. Now I'm like full of regret because I was just going to shoot everybody. Oh, I thought it was an AR-14. Uh-uh. What's that? Oh, it was a gaff that Joe Biden had. Oh, you know, sorry, I missed that one. Yeah, yeah, he called it AR-14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um. So yeah, I don't know that we have a lot else here. Uh, oh. No, yeah. What's God doing? What? Oh, that's the. The biggest one, (laughs) yeah, yeah. What's God doing here? Like, um, what's being revealed? All things reveal, work to reveal. So again, we can look at the challenges here, but what is what is being revealed, and how is His Spirit moving? Um, And those are the conversations that I love for us to be having. And um, so, how was how would you say He's moving in you? Like, what's He showing you personally? Man, well, I think this has been even before. Coronavirus has been a bigger thing in the U.S., but it's they just come up a lot to me time and time again as I get in the Word, and that is uh, seeking His presence or seeking His face continually. Like as I go through the Psalms and I go through um, Jesus's promise of the Spirit and what life in the Spirit looks like, it it's what it always comes down to, like seeking His presence continually um and that goes for every every kind of context imaginable so that goes for the kingdom of israel it goes for the exile that we get to in isaiah it goes to 
the new church, it goes through pandemics. So even though people may be isolated in a physical sense from other people to varying degrees, that command is still there and able. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think of someone who's in prison. I was listening to Voice of the Martyrs, and there was a man who was imprisoned in Turkey. And like, okay, you can't work. You can't have crafts. You can't, like, there's no outlets. You're not with others. I mean, talk about isolation. Mm -hmm. And he, he would tell you it wasn't a walk in the park. Right. But the removal of all these supports, I think, reveals what we depend on. Yep. Right, and so he really had to learn that. How does he commune with God? Right, and <clears throat> how do you? And again, it's it's good to have God made the creation, and He gave us all kinds of things to enjoy, and it's it's fine to have hobbies and sports and movies and things like that. But they can creep in and be your. Uh, your crutch, your God. Mm -hmm. And now suddenly you start chipping away at some of these and it's like, what are we going to do? Right. What are we going to do with our time? And uh, you know, I think what you're saying, part of that is like, just spend time with God. Yeah. Read and pray. And Now that's not all. You're going to spend 24 hours a day reading and praying and we can talk about other things that we can do. But Yeah. yeah. So I recently read, uh, I'm reading Reappearing, Reappearing Church by Mark Sayers and in uh, one part, he, he's getting in this place of turning from consumer culture into actually contending for personal and corporate renewal in the kingdom. So what he, he's talking about is FOMO, which most people know is the fear of missing out. But this other author gets into this thing that it's accompanied by FOBO, uh, which is the fear of better options. So how people are always optimizing in a world of maybes and different possibilities, but people are actually paralyzed by actually committing to something out of fear that you might be choosing something that's not actually the perfect option. But that fear of better options leads to the fear of doing anything. Mm. In which where, where we're heading right now, your options are dwindling. You're not. You're gonna have very few things to choose to do. Um, like even if you do live alone, like, all right, you're just streaming a lot of shows and movies. Like, you can only do that for so long. You'll get sick. I know I've done that. I've binged on stuff and you're just like, oh. You can watch the news only for so long, especially with this. It's like, oh my gosh, get me out of here. But I think what I see God doing in me, and I think what He is doing on a larger scale is he's taking away a lot of those normal things from people that we use as crutches to bring us to, well, I think, a place where we actually have to come to terms with who we are and what we've been living for, what we've been doing. And I think it's, ugh, what's that prayer that David has um, revealed to me? The, the, uh, well, he's essentially asking God to reveal him his sin. Mm. 
the hidden parts, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I th I think that's a lot of what God's going to be doing here, especially within the church. And I think in the larger community, people yeah. are going to be left mm. without their devices. Oh gosh, everyone's going to get. Everyone's just going to watch porn. I literally thought of that. Do you remember? Uh, remember when there was that nuke scare in Hawaii? Yeah. And then there was like this spike, spike like Pornhub, like exponentially grew like in the mm -hmm. several minutes. Was it after? I think it was like well before and after. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But it's like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. Because what do you do in the, when you don't have access to your vices? Do you just normalize? You just go, oh, I guess I'll walk in balance and health. Like you still need it. You still, you still need, need something. it. So you either fight toward a better place or find something else worse. Right? Right. And so Oh gosh. So no no what I'm getting at is if it is oh. if it is worse, like you can take it to the point where it's completely robbed of all fulfillment. Like if you're isolated long enough, like you're numb mm. to that. Say like porn, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Right, right, right. It, at some point, it's not enough. Right. Mm. You're isolated. You can't leave. And I think in that, we're going to see God, or some stories of God meeting people in that, like non-Christians. Hmm. Emily and I had a conversation last night and she, she asked like, how many people do you think like, not at like Redeemer specifically, but in general in, in the U S like after this is over, if it's over, um, how many people are going to go back to church and saying that like, okay, all the people who are, you know, maybe consistently or whatever, a part of a body on a Sunday, how many are, aren't really in it? actually in it and they're not going to come back after this blows over because what because they realize that they were fine or yeah what? they really didn't need it and then being left at home like they're fine with whatever devices they had hmm. but then i was like well how many people are actually going to start going hmm. because in the isolation like they experience the presence of god yeah i don't know i think there's like winnowing, like there's pruning that's going to be happening through this. So whether it's like people experiencing economical hardships, actually experiencing the disease, mm. um, or loved ones experiencing it or dying from it, it's a pruning. Mm. And I think even now, like you watch the news, like, like any kind of anxiety that sets in that you see in other people, it's pruning. There's things that are getting stripped away. And what's crucial is the response. Like, how do you respond to that? How does your family respond to that? How do we as a church respond to that? And I think that where it needs to go is like the, uh, it depends on the translation, but the, in the Psalms, like the, the deep hidden place, the secret place where you meet with God, like that's where it needs to drive you. And when you go there, like you experience his presence, you hear his voice. Well, if you experience this presence, you're not really isolated. Mm. You're known. You're loved. Um, 
Yeah. That's good. Ugh. Indeed. Yeah, I was also thinking, like, you have, well, like, musicians who aren't able to, for right now. I'm thinking more so specifically with, like, um, Christian songwriters, like, what kind of worship songs are going to come out of this? Because they can't tour or go anywhere. They just have to stay and... Give us clean hands. Right? They just stay... (laughs) (laughs) It was ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, But I I don't think it, like... Yeah, what kind of songs are going to be written out of this? Like, if if this goes, like, longer than Mm. next week. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. at the same time, like I think there's a being realistic. There's some yeah you know, things you need to take note of, like what's going on in the world. But at the same time, like who do we serve? And what is he doing on the the macro level worldwide? But man, what is he doing in you? Like where is he leading you? And I think that, I think that is the deep question that we need to each chew on and actually need to seek him in. Because this isn't just another season of the flu. Like, okay, this is something sizable. Yeah. Like, what is God doing in this? Yeah. So praise God for it. Number one, it is his doing. He sends pestilence. Mm-hmm. And uh, so good. The, praise God for this unique opportunity. You know, I mean, you can praise God. You know, I'm not saying praise God for people dying. I mean, I guess in a sense, all, all glory be to Him, no matter what. But He gives and takes away. But I'm just emphasizing the idea that. I mean, everything you're just describing there is a unique opportunity. Like, if you could, but let's say, God does use this and some people to. To really draw them near and show them, you just transform them in a in a fresh way mm-hmm. that wouldn't have happened if they'd have just gone the next oh. however many decades just without that experience. What if this is the answer to the prayer that you've had for years when you ask God to make you more like Him? <clears throat> yeah, it's like be careful what you. Oh gosh. Right, <sighs> it's like oh yeah, I want to be Christ-like, more joy-filled like you, Jesus. But well, not that. Yeah. But then he's just like, okay, well, the the cross, right, begs me come and die and find that I may truly right. live. Like, yeah. Well, that's what he's doing. So, yeah, it's good good words there, Dirk. Um, so I guess uh, as you were talking, also just thought about, like, well, then let's be part of that positive, you know, I don't mean, like, positive thinking, but true positive, like, gospel. Like, let's let's... Seek to encourage. Let's seek to bless. Let's let our our calls and our let's call people. Let's text people. Let's post on social media and not in a trite way, but let's get the let's be an encouragement. Like let's not just contribute to panic and contribute to blaming and bullying and like, I, yeah, just you know what? Maybe the government is up to no good. Great, pray. Yeah, but okay. But how are you going to encourage someone in that? Mm. You know what I mean? Like. Great, you're right. They suck. Okay, now what? So, um, let's love one another. Let's reach out and let's stay connected. So, you know, maybe you've never listened to the podcast before. I'm glad you did. Um, 
you know, connect. We're going to be, like I said, pushing stuff out, videos and uh, resources and things like that. So connect on our Facebook groups and pages. Um, if you're not getting our group texts, you know, send an email to info at redeemerhome.com and we'll get you signed up. If you're not getting our emails, same thing. Info at redeemerhome.com will get you signed up. Um, oh, what was it? Hmm. Well, yeah, so stay connected in all those ways and um, yeah, and just reach out, use the use what's and, and again, reach out to people personally and invite and get together as long as you feel comfortable with that. That hasn't been outlawed yet. So, um, except the Hansons, no, they're not allowed over. <laughs> so, young couples, singles. Um, oh, one note. So, regarding the, the online service, um, I, I would like us to be able to do communion. So, I'll send out some resources about what that looks like to have something ready. But, you know, we'll do some songs and we'll do some preaching and we'll do a time of response. And, you know, we can do communion on, in our homes. So in, in light of that, you know, we encourage you to go out and buy truckloads of bread and wine, <laughs> <laughs> wine, juice, whatever you prefer. And I'll, I'll share some articles and kind of, and some, we'll provide some coaching to the service on what that can look like. Um, you know, it'd be a good time to just respond with your family or friends that you have and uh, do that together. So um, Dirk, other final encouragements or thoughts or uh, totally unrelated question. Yeah. Who wrote the beat to the intro, outro? Me. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I play around with some Fruity Loops. Ooh, okay. I do got to promo this real quick. Yeah. So, uh, the company's Korg, K-O-R-G, and Moog, M-O-O-G, mm. have free apps to do their own, like, quasilators and bass synths. That are usually like 20 bucks. And they're free because of yeah. the pandemic. That's I hot. I can do that all day. Yeah. Let my baby <laughs> Yeah, I like that thing, the chaos later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, man. So, I mean, that's dumb and free, but I think... I mean, well, maybe some hot beats will come out of this. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd be down with that. Yeah. <laughs> but, so. I mean, just encouragement to people. Like, God is in control and he's for you. And he's with you. So, let's say, keep contending, keep fighting for joy. Yes. And if there's anything particular that we haven't hashed out or you still want to process, and yeah, reach out. Got our contact info, or maybe not. I'm Donovan at RedeemerHome.com. D-O-N-O-V-A-N. And Dirk, D-I-R-K, at RedeemerHome.com. All our pastors, well, the staff guys at least, Glenn at RedeemerHome.com. Anyway, central email, info at RedeemerHome.com. That goes to the admin, and we can get you anything, any kind of connection and follow-up from there. So, all right, folks, let's keep in touch. God bless.